Hi, I'm Hunter Babcock, and welcome to the Atlan Ventures podcast, where we interview successful Gen Z entrepreneurs and investors to give you a perspective on trends and companies that are shaping our future. Atlan Ventures is a million-dollar independent student fund based in Minneapolis, Minnesota. We write seed checks in companies solving problems felt by our generation, and since our inception in 2018, we have backed 13 amazing companies. To learn more about our team, check us out at atlanventures.com. In today's episode, I'm excited to welcome Anish Dewan, founder and CEO of Knit. Anish, would you mind just giving us some background and thanks for joining us today? Yeah, thanks for having me, Hunter. Great to be on here. A little bit of background on myself and, and the company. I'm a Gen Z founder. I uh, started this company my first year in college. I uh, went to the University of Virginia, ended up going for about a year and dropping out and moving down to Austin. Knit, we are a Gen Z voice of consumer insights platform. Uh, we're based here in Austin, Texas, and we're on a mission to help brands better understand our peers or our Gen Z peers. We do this by connecting them with a network of Close to, we can now reach about 60,000 Gen Z consumers through our platform and our peers. What they do is they answer questions for these brands through quick videos, usually 60 to 90 seconds long. And every time they do so, uh, two really cool things happen. The first is they raise money for causes they care about. So we'll give them a, we'll make a donation to a cause they care about um, for, for participating. And the second is they're truly shaping Um, some of the products and services of the future. So we work with a lot of brands on product innovation, um, launching new products. Uh, So we're really excited about being able to help brands understand Gen Z and and helping our our peers and our generation raise money for great causes and also, you know, build products for the future, build the products that we want to use. Sweet. Would you mind jumping into a little bit of kind of your your entrepreneurial journey? And and was this the first company you founded and kind of what brought you to, to founding it? Yeah, great question. So the first company I actually started was in high school, um, my freshman year. Throughout high school, I was fortunate enough to go to this awesome high school where they offered this program. And through that program, we would travel every single summer. So I went to Haiti three times, China, and uh, every summer we had to start a project. So my first company was a Gen Z cause marketing agency. It actually started as the project and part of this program. Um, and it was pretty simple, right? What we did is we connected brands with, at that time, high school students, and they would post pictures of those brands on social media to drive awareness for that brand, drive traffic to their store. So worked on that as an agency for about two years, and we saw just some incredible traction. We grew from you know one small local store restaurant to, I think at, at, at our peak, about 24 different restaurants across the entire state of Virginia. We had thousands of oh, wow thousands of users, but it was just me. And it was, it was, a, it was an agency. So we, like, it wasn't a tech company. And uh, I was literally just texting thousands of people. Uh, we had this like big group chat. So what we decided to do was turn that, it was an agency called Beat a Friend into a tech platform, specifically a nano influencer platform. So that was really my first company was that evolution of Beat a Friend as an agency to Perpix, which, is, uh, which was a Gen Z uh, nano influencer platform. Started that in college, uh, went to the University of Virginia for a year, had an amazing time there, amazing entrepreneurial ecosystem. Uh, a lot of our first investors and, and uh, teammates are from UVA. And uh, yeah, we, we you know, saw some great growth my first year there, ended up dropping out, moving to Austin. Herbix is actually is what has now evolved into Knit. So about a year ago during COVID, what we saw was that brands really had this need to engage this next generation through social media, but they also really 
wanted to understand our generation and they wanted to collaborate with our generation to build the products of the future. So about six months ago, we pivoted to Knit, uh, focused on our insights platform and really focused on helping brands uh, collaborate with our generation to, you know, build these products and services of the future. For sure. Would you mind walking me through a little bit of, if I was a brand, how I would, would sign up for the platform and engage yeah. with, with your, with your influencers? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, typically, you know, most brands, brands hear about us either through uh, some of the marketing that we're doing, word of mouth or, or, you know, one of our sales, um, sales members uh, gets in touch with them. And what they're typically looking for is um, help with product innovation on new products. So we mostly work with CPG brands. Uh, we do a lot of work in student housing and we've started getting into fintech as well. And at, at, at its core, all, all three of these industries, and there's several other industries out there as well that we just haven't tapped into yet. What they're looking for is they're looking for feedback on, on what products they should be building for, for future consumers, right? So when Gen Z, we're already the largest population of consumers, we have incredible spending power, but we're very different from generations before us. So, you know, in food and beverage, you're seeing this in trends like Better For You, plant-based meats, in beauty, you're seeing this in trends like increase in clean beauty spending. In student housing, you're seeing this in, you know, more affordable student housing um, units, double occupancy, uh, different types of amenities from from our millennial, um, millennial friends. Um, so, you know, long story short, they're looking for help. They're looking for feedback and yeah, they'll reach out to us and, and, you know, you can sign up, um, for a demo on our website at gonit.com. Shameless plug there for this. And, uh, someone from our team will reach out and kind of walk them through the platform and, and see how we can help. Awesome. And, and I know you guys have a, a curated network of influencers that's over 60,000 and spans across 290 colleges across the U.S. Could you talk a little bit about how you guys grew that network? And then also, who do you describe as an influencer? Yeah, great question. So uh, it's pretty much the network that we built with Perfix, right? So with Perfix, um, you know, what was incredible about our platform was that it grew quickly through word of mouth. People were sharing content on social media. They were hearing about it through their friends, through what people were actually posting on social media. So our network grew very quickly from word of mouth. So when I started it at UVA, we started off with 20 people within like one summer, we grew to 10 colleges, you know, hundreds of people, and then kind of took off from there to where we got to over 300, close to 300 colleges and, and thousands of people, like you mentioned. So, you know, what we're doing with Knit now is, is very similar to what we were doing with, with Perpix on the member side, which is, you know, uh, instead of posting a picture, you take a video um, and share your feedback. So not too different. Um, and it's the same value to our members, right? What we really care about is helping our generation not only shape the products of the future, but also raise money for causes they care about. So every single time they participate in one of these feedback videos or, or feedback surveys, we're um, directly making a donation to a cause they care about. So a lot of it is through word of mouth. We work with a lot of student organizations to help them hit their fundraising goals. So there's a lot of dance marathons, Relay for Lives, Camp Kessums, professional organizations as well, like engineering fraternities and sororities. So um, if you're listening to this and you're a student and part of a student organization, uh, check us check us out on Instagram or our website, sign up. Love to work with you guys to help hit your fundraising goals. Uh, we've helped thousands of organizations raise close to you know hundreds of thousands of dollars across all of them and, and hit their fundraising goals and raise money for some really meaningful and awesome causes. Awesome. So, so I'm curious, and I know you talk a lot about 
kind of the, the move to video and, and short video is one of the trends we're seeing in Gen Z and also us as, as consumers really care about causes. So what are some other area, like areas and trends you're seeing in, in this industry that have, you've kind of jumped onto? Yeah, great question. So, you know, I'll break this up into two different types of trends we're seeing, right? So on the brand side, we're seeing some incredible trends happening um, in the world of, of market research insights and strategy. Um, the biggest thing is that when you look at how brands have conducted research, typically, it's been kind of in two categories. You have your quantitative research and your qualitative research. Your quantitative research kind of tells you the what, right? What is happening? And your qualitative research kind of gives you the insights behind that. Why is something happening? So one of the biggest trends that we're seeing across all companies, and I'm sure other industries are seeing this as well, is that brands are becoming very agile in how they're operating, whether that's in marketing, whether that's in research, whether that's in sales. And quantitative research is built very well for agile research, right? You can send a survey, get responses really quickly, but qualitative research really isn't. It's kind of hard to like talk to a consumer, right? You have to set up focus groups. You have to have 30, 40 minute long interviews. What we are doing is we're combining both quant and qualitative, right? So we're giving brands the ability um, through these quick videos to really get that qualitative feel and to enrich that with quantitative data. So through our platform, one of the biggest trends we're seeing in the market research space is Brands want to talk to the consumer. They want the voice of that consumer in their organization. And we're able to help them do that in today's agile world by combining these two and then building awesome technology to analyze both the quantitative and qualitative data instantly. And then on the Gen Z side, what we're seeing is that our generation cares a lot about doing good. We ran a bunch of research around this, uh, around COVID especially. For example, 89% of uh, Gen Z college students want to partner with brands to do good in the world. So that's definitely a huge trend that we're seeing and, and something that we're really proud of uh, supporting our, our members with. And then, you know, across different industries, we're seeing some incredible trends with Gen Z, whether it's, you know, better for you and plant-based on the food side, you know, in, in FinTech, we're looking a lot at buy now, pay later services like Affirm and Afterpay. So yeah, we talk about that all day and uh, happy to, but I know we're, uh, I know we're on a podcast right now, so I want to dig too deep. <laughs> for sure. Awesome. I want to jump over and talk a little bit about uh, your funding history and and kind of engaging outside funding and your support from accelerators. So I know you guys are a Techstars company. Would you talk a little bit about uh, your experience going through an accelerator and why you chose Techstars? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I would say the first kind of incubator accelerator we did was actually out of University of Virginia through the Darden Incubator Lab program. And, you know, I think that was incredibly helpful for us as a business because we were uh, really early stage and being in an incubator, you just get the resources uh, to get, you know, really from zero to like 0.1, right? Like very incredible early stage. And they kind of provide you with mentorship access and resources to kind of get a little bit off the ground. And of course the capital is, is really helpful as well. So they gave us a grant and then they connected us to people that ended up investing in our company. Techstars was an incredible experience. Uh, we went through the Techstars from the Fork program in Minneapolis, and it truly does accelerate everything in your business, the good and, and the bad as well. So, uh, you know, Techstars was phenomenal. You know, they break the program up into three parts. The first part is really working on your business, really understanding your business from a fundamental level. The next part is actually accelerating your sales. And then the final part is getting ready for funding, which kind of culminates in a demo day. Um, so each part really helped us. We got a really good understanding of our business, 
uh, we were able to do more revenue over the three months of the program than we had done in the entire lifetime of the company leading up to that. And then we felt pretty prepared for our funding and we were able to close around the funding uh, shortly after the program. But I think the biggest thing is the community. Uh, our MD was amazing. All the other companies were amazing. And then we got connected to hundreds of mentors, many of whom we still talk to, you know, almost every week. For sure. So when you talk about kind of outside funding and raising some VC rounds after that, what were some things you looked for in, in VCs that you engaged with and investors? Yeah, that's a good question. So there's, there's a couple things that we look for. I think a few important ones. Uh, the first one is the average successful company lasts, you know, more than seven years. And I think that's longer than your average, the average American marriage, right? So like when you're really getting someone on your cap table, it is truly a long-term partnership, especially if it's a, you know, a larger investor that might end up being on your board, right? So the first thing is like, is it a good match, right? Do they really believe in the market? Do they really believe in our vision? Do they really believe in our team? So I think like that match on like a fundamental level is like, do you guys see not necessarily eye to eye on everything? Cause you don't want group think, but do you, is there, is this like a respectful um, partnership? Is this someone that you want to work with through both the highs and the lows of, of the company? Um, the second is like, we love looking for people with someone that can bring like a high level of expertise to the table. And that doesn't necessarily have to be in our specific market. Like they don't have to be Gen Z experts or market research experts, but they like experts in venture capital experts in marketing, right? Like we, we really want someone that can kind of at the end of the day, like, I don't like if, if what I want to create with our investors, with our team is I, I want to constantly be, you know, the dumbest person in the room, right? Like I want to be able to walk into a room and know that I have experts across the table that can help us um, in all these different industries and are great kind of coaches and are great mentors, as well as kind of, you know, at the end of the day, great, great people to work with over the long term. So I'd say those are probably the two biggest things. And then finally, it's capital, right? I think capital is definitely important, but it's not as important as having a good investor and, and smart money. Sure. And throughout your experience as a founder, and to students listening, what would you say is, is something that you wish you would have known a few years ago or kind of your biggest learnings throughout the whole process so far? There's a and lot a of loaded things. question. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of things I wish I would have known looking back. Obviously, hindsight's always 2020. You know, there's not a lot that I would change about how we did, even some of the biggest mistakes I made, because I think I learned a lot from them. And you know, the company's still alive. So, you know, it's, it didn't kill us, but, uh, but I, I took a lot out of uh, those, those lessons. I would say, I think the biggest thing is, and this sounds super cliche, but it, it's a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Right. Like I was very naive about how difficult the entrepreneurial, like the journey of an entrepreneur is right. And when I ended up dropping out of UVA kind of on a, on, on a bit of a impulse. And, you know, I thought it was going to be smooth sailing, right. Year after year, you know, crushing it with growth and raising all these big rounds. And it was just going to be up and up from here, but it actually is incredibly difficult. And I say that for two reasons. One is it time and time and again, the one thing that I come back to is like my passion for what we're doing at knit and how much I love what we're building, how much I believe in our vision and how much I love our team and, and the fact that they're, they're in it for the ride as well. And as well as the entire ecosystem, our investors, our mentors and, and customers and, and, and members as well. 
And, and I think that's incredibly important. And I say that again, going back to that is like, I think one of my biggest kind of things that I would kind of advise other student entrepreneurs is like, you, if you don't have that passion, like it's really not worth doing because it's a lot harder than, than it's a lot harder than it sounds um, and a lot harder than you might think. But if you are on the flip side, if you are incredibly passionate about it, like, you know, I would definitely recommend giving it a shot. You know, obviously the odds are stacked against every entrepreneur. It's very hard to, to build a successful company and we have a lot of work to do, but you know, it's, it's a hell of a ride and it's a lot of fun if you love what you're doing. So uh, definitely worth, worth the shot. Sure. And I know, I know you mentioned a lot, you give a lot of credit to your team. So I'm curious as like, as you're hiring uh, new individuals, whether it's interns or, or full-time hires, what are some things you're looking for in someone that not only can fit your culture, but can be a successful person for your team? 99% of the success we've had is because of the team. Like we have an absolutely incredible team and of the other remaining 1%, a very small percentage of that is, uh, is because of me. Uh, we have an incredible team, right? Like you can't get anything done without an amazing team. I think there's, it's really one thing that matters at the end of the day. And I think it's, well, really two things, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, two things that matter at the end of the day, right? So the first one is you, you want good people on your team, right? You want someone that's passionate about what you're building, but someone that has like a high level of integrity, someone that you can trust. That's like one of the biggest things that I look for is because if you don't have people that you can trust, like you're never going to be able to fully delegate. You're never going to really be able to build out like that ownership mentality, which I think is incredibly important. I think every single person needs to think of it as their company. And that's why we believe a lot, in, you know, like giving all of our employees options and, and actually having skin in the game for everyone. But I think like having high integrity is so incredibly important. Um, you need to have that just being able to trust someone is, is really important, someone that you work with. And then the second thing is like the ability to learn and grow right? Like the person that you hire to lead your marketing team when you're six people, it's very different from when you're 20 people and when you're hundreds of people and we're not there yet, but I've heard this and I've seen this and uh, you want someone that can grow with the company. That's someone that has that elasticity to kind of uh, constantly learn, grow, iterate as a person. I mean, I think that's very true for a founder too. Like, I don't think uh, a CEO that's good at going from zero to one is the same one you want from one to 10 to 10 to a hundred. So that's something that I, I'm working on all the time is improving as a, as a founder, as we grow, as we grow the team and as we grow the company as well. Awesome. I don't, on a more personal, what's your, uh, what's your favorite social media app and why? So I've been on clubhouse a decent amount recently. I don't think it's my favorite one though. I think Instagram I've always loved Instagram. I've, I've been a big Instagram user. I don't post a lot anymore, but, um, but I've definitely spent a lot of time on it. So it would probably be like Instagram, YouTube, Snapchat, maybe Clubhouse. I, I, I spend a lot of time on TikTok, but I'm not like, in, like a huge TikTok guy either. <laughs> Facebook at this point, is just, I just use for like birthday reminders at this point. So that's the best. Yeah, honestly, that that still plays a very crucial role in my life because of that. Yeah. So that, that's kind of, that's kind of my list. Any, any, any books or podcasts you listen to or read regularly? Yeah. Books wise. I love there. There's a few books that really popped to mind. I love principles by Ray Dalio. I I'm probably going to butcher the name. 
Uh, I think it's called What It Takes by uh, Steve Schwartzman. And uh, that was an amazing book. And then I love The Everything Store, the, the book about Jeff Bezos. So I love books either written by founders or about founders and like following their journey because it's just so inspiring to know that like, you know, at one point, Jeff Bezos started the company and there were just a handful of people and, and you know, in a, in a warehouse or garage or whatever. And just hearing about like how scrappy they were and, and where they are now, it, it is really inspiring. So those are kind of my three favorite books. And then podcast wise, I've been listening a lot to Invest Like the Best, I think is what it's called on Spotify. Big Joe Rogan fan as well. But yeah, definitely a lot of Invest Like the Best. Awesome. And last question for you. What's your favorite hobby? My favorite hobby. I think I told you this right now I'm training for an Ironman. So pretty much my entire day is working and then on the bike or on running. So I would say right now, I'm definitely more in love with the runs right now. Um, the weather's just <laughs> in Austin. It's not too hot, not too cold, perfect running weather. So um, definitely favorite hobby would just be going on a, on a, uh, a run around, around the lake here in Austin. When's the Ironman? September mid-september okay so you got a few months yeah i got a few months uh i need it i've definitely not been uh, keeping up with my training (laughs) (laughs) for sure hey well thanks for joining us and uh have a good one yeah thanks hunter take care